0: W This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults, with a zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute, and available reclining lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pluralsight. Your org needs teams skilled in tomorrow's tech today. Whether you want faster innovation, better customer experiences, or streamlined software delivery, those solutions require teams skilled and savvy in the latest technologies. Equip your people with the skills they need to make the most of today's tools and tech. Visit Pluralsight.com slash pod and try it for free.
0: What's up, everyone? My name is Fuller. I am one of Lululemon's curators in New York City, and I am very excited to welcome you to The Mic, our virtual and eventually in-person performance series. Tonight's show is featuring nonprofits, The podcast hosted by the most hilarious, incredible, wonderful, thoughtful people, Stephen Campbell and Frankie French. Tonight's show is also featuring Mia Swinehart of Gathered Nutrition, a Lululemon ambassador from Lincoln Park in Chicago, and Matt James, a Lululemon ambassador from New York City and one of the co-founders of ABC Food Tours. Tonight's show is actually supporting ABC Food Tours, so all ticket sales are going directly to ABC Food Tours at the end of the show. If you want, you're more than welcome to go back to Eventbrite, get another ticket, really show your love and support. And without further ado, I'm handing it back to Stephen and Frankie. Take it away.
2: Yeah,
0: you're on mute.
3: And that's our theme song.
2: That's the theme song. Episode nine. Nonprofits. Welcome. How is everybody?
3: Everyone's amazing. By everyone, you mean me, right?
2: Yeah. Well, you're the only one here, and <laughs> and all the the loving watchers. My name is Stephen Campbell.
3: My name is Frankie French, and we are the nonprofits.
2: Yeah, we got a an extra special episode today, partnered with extra, extra special, extra extra with Lululemon. Mm-hmm. We got a nutrition, ABC Food Tours. Uh, we're gonna learn a lot about them, but we're just gonna kind of talk through about diet and health and how it is
3: not diet, Stephen. Healthy life choices.
2: We're already learning. We're, we're already learning. I, um, we're going to be talking about diet, health, not diet, healthy life choices, I food choices, um, and how it is more accessible to some than it is to others. Um, I know that I have been trying to get on this health horse hard for the new year. Uh, Frankie, have you been doing anything to uh, get that New Year's resolution going?
3: Um, I don't do New Year's resolutions, first of all, Stephen. Let's just be very clear. I'm I doing New Year, I'm doing a New Year revolution. Okay. This is revolutionary what I'm doing. I've never done it before in my life. Um, I have in like small incremental ways, but I've really been driving hard at it. I'm I'm pretty proud of the incremental progress that I've been making. I've been doing five miles a day every day. Um, I just did my 50th mile. So ow, ow, ah. ow, ow. ow. And I got my, like you, got my very special Lulu gear um, with this partnership. And I'm just going to say right now, the last, like, 30 miles I've done in this gear, oh, it's literally like I'm, like, running naked. Like, not to be weird, but it's like I'm running naked. And it's fantastic. I'm wearing wearing tons of Lulu gear.
2: And I was just saying before we got on, a lot of times the barometer of is this good clothing is, Oh my god! It feels like I'm not wearing anything. It is. I would rather wear this than be naked.
3: That's I, actually a better way to say it. Yeah, I, I sincerely mean
2: that. I usually sleep naked, and I just slept just a shirt, just just a shirt last night. Just like yeah, uh,
3: man. You usually sleep in a onesie, but whatever. We'll talk about that. yeah. Ones. Lululemon doesn't make onesies yet.
2: That's <laughs> why we're doing the show. I um I've been trying to really improve my diet because I hit what I would like to call a rock bottom where I got a, uh, a industrial family sized pack of sour patch kids oh, from the dollar general no. red, white, and blue, which first off means that they didn't sell it July 4th. So they gave them to dollar general. That's true. Which I bought readily. And then I was eating them in bed because slob and I was eating fistfuls. First off family sized, industrial size, a family size of Sour Patch Kids. That's such a sad family that's eating that many Sour Patch Kids together, but it's not any sadder than the fact that I was eating it in bed by myself. And so I was eating them. I fell asleep and sugar got all over the bed.
3: Question. Did you fall asleep with some still in your mouth unchewed? and then wake up and finish chewing it? No, no, no. but
2: there were Sour Patch, there was sugar and Sour Patch all over me. But then while I was asleep, I started sweating probably because my body is trying desperately to excrete the toxins that I've been shoveling into my face hole. <laughs> and then the sweat mixed with the sugar and now I got Sour Patch syrup sweat all over my <laughs> sheets. And so I'm sitting in a little syrup pack. And 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 what I did was I realized this needs to change but I wasn't, I was too tired to like change the bed. So I went and slept on the couch, but continued to eat the sour patch kids because everyone knows that to start a good diet, you must binge all of the food that you have in your house and eat the bad stuff before you can make room for the good stuff.
3: You sound like a noob. I feel like this is the first time you've gone to bed with food. Is that is that your first going to bed with food experience? I, I hope I hope it to be my last. Oh wow. Oh no, so. I used to be a profesh. Like I would, me and my husband would go to bed. He's over here, right? And I'd wait for him to like, I'd lull him into a sleep, right? And then I'd creep into the kitchen, okay? And I'm not talking about Sour Patch Kids. (laughs) No, like I said, I'm a profesh. I'd get in there and I'd make a full course meal. I want a filet, that's right, filet mignon, that's right. With a big (laughs) potato, fully loaded, don't toy with my emotions. And then maybe a wedge salad with some bacon, a little- blue uh blue cheese dress and i'm kid you not i am not even sort of kidding and i would bring it to bed and i'd lay with my back to him and my food would be in the bed like my secret lover and we would just cuddle and i'd snack on it i'd fall asleep sometimes with a bite in my mouth i'd wake up finish chewing and swallow that bite and i'd go back this was it's it was bad it was really bad and i'd be like shh shh don't let him hear you. Yeah, it it was it wasn't good. You have like a picnic blanket that you put in your bed because that seems like you
2: a big crumb center.
3: It would be a crumb center, but I didn't have a picnic blanket. But I had a designated towel that I would fold up and put like in in the, between my night table and the bed, and I would use that to wipe my mouth. This is and yeah, this is horrific. Okay, after
2: you're done with your lover, you just get a yeah, towel
3: thrown white- at you. <laughs> Like the the steak would throw a towel at me. I just wipe my mouth and and keep it moving. And so that's a habit I have definitely broken.
2: I just think it's so hard to ever sacrifice long, like long-term results for short-term pleasure. You know what I mean? Like, Like it's just anybody that says that like nothing tastes as good as skinny feels has never had a banana cream pie right word oh. banana cream pies
0: oh
3: my god what'd you say you're talking about love language i haven't had a sweet in like two weeks
2: oh my god i love it if it's also this like confirmation bias that like if i heard all of the news about all the things that are good all it would take is one article to tell me that banana cream pies are good for you and i would eat only banana, banana cream, cream pies. pies
3: because they're good for you the news said it i saw it on a facebook article i can yeah. death eat these banana cream pies
2: <laughs> but so okay so we wanted to talk about nutritionism to start with right yeah so one of the things that's really wild to me about nutritionism is that it's it's a new science do you know what i mean like as like a science right because in 1912 was the first time that the vitamin was developed Right. And if you put that in like perspective, 1903 was when the first Ford T-, T model was let out. So like we didn't even have vitamins until after the car, the automobile had already been invented. Right.
3: Crazy bananas.
2: Right. And, and you think about like there was I think it's 1727 or 1747 when the first like scurvy uh, research
3: was done. <laughs> Army, Navy, scurvy, Marines—like I feel like that's just like a, a militarized like band of pirates. Like the scurvy is hilarious. It's a pirate disease. It's for sailors and pirates. If they didn't have they
2: they didn't have vitamin C, right? And so to 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 do the research, there was a doctor. I put doctor in quotations cuz all he did was people kept dying of scurvy say it was kept dying pirates kept first by the way it sounds like it was named by a pirate they're like it you got a vitamin our scurvy <laughs> yeah
0: it was definitely
3: named by a pirate you got a vitamin C deficiency. I like the idea of a pirate
2: sitting on like the little doctor table with the wax paper and like one leg's hanging off. The peg is hanging off the other one. And they're just like, you have a vitamin C deficiency. Tell it to me straight. He's like, you got scurvy. Scurvy. He's like, I can't. I can't have
3: scurvy right now, Doc. I've got booty to plunder. Like booty is treasures it's just treasures everyone calm down booty just means treasures
2: you know what they did for their first research that they did was they made three different groups suffering from scurvy one was force-fed salt
3: water one was force-fed vinegar that does not sound like it's gonna help hey you're gonna drink this salt we don't know for sure but we think maybe the salt water might help i feel like that's a no like just you don't need a doctorate to know that I feel like that's not going to help.
2: It's just like, it's a thing that water. you know will kill you when you don't have scurvy.
3: You're not only going to die of scurvy, but you're going to be super dehydrated. Like you're going to be so thirsty the whole time. <laughs> and that control group the whole time is just like,
2: doctor, this is really, I'm sure this is killing me. They're like, this is research. We are nutritionists.
3: Keep drinking the salt water. That sounds like a nightmare.
2: But it does like, so, and and so 1912 is the first vitamin- and then if you fast forward, like stuff is as recent as like the food
3: pyramid. Do you remember the food pyramid? I remember that. It went hand in hand with the presidential awards. Remember the, that? the fitness rewards? The presidential fitness award. Oh, the bane of my it, elementary experience. Oof. I, there was this girl. I'm going to make up a name. Her name was Amber. She was. The worst, okay, why because Amber was super strong and she'd do the pull up and she'd just hang there and hang with one arm like for hours and no one could beat her. And I would, I would hey. like every year, I'm like, okay, this year I'm gonna freaking beat Amber. I wouldn't, I would pull up and go oh, <laughs> and fall and die immediately. I never passed the presidential fitness award.
2: What was the purpose of that just to have data analytics to show who's better?
3: It was just to make me feel bad. Like it was all about making, it was definitely trolling Frankie. Like that's what it was. I do remember that. Yeah. Now that, now that I. Yeah. The sit and reach. Mm. Oh my God. I remember those. In what
2: world does the sit and reach make you a better athlete? It doesn't. But that's from the president.
3: It's from the president's office. It's a presidential fitness baby. Those monsters. But yeah, those went hand in hand.
2: The food pyramid was always funny to me because, first off, all over every elementary classroom had the food pyramid in it
3: mm-hmm.
0: and,
2: and it just said eat lots of bread it was that was the main thing it was just eat tons of bread it was like t- a million servings of bread and then like that was number one just as long as you get and it was at the same time that i was learning that if to combat fire i needed to stop drop and roll
3: true is none <laughs> of is nothing
2: sacred was i not told anything correct when i was a child it no. sounds like the same, the same like optimistic kindergartner made both. That they're just like, if I want to be healthy, I'll eat pizzas and pastas, and if I'm on fire, I'll just roll around a bunch. And
3: then, and then that was like coupled with like these anxiety attacks because then you had someone telling you, only you can prevent forest fires. <laughs> I was responsible for the forest fires. You're gonna go
2: into the forest and just roll around a bunch.
3: Right. Like I don't know how to put them out. I'm only 10. Why? <laughs> yeah, it's a nightmare. It was a nightmare.
2: But there's just so much that is is gospel in nutritionism that, that does rapidly change. Like soy was real big for a second, but then it's coupled with this thing where marketing like only markets the, the worst foods for you. Or like there's, there's concerted efforts to market like one specific food. Like mm-hmm. during World War I, we started producing tons and tons and tons of milk. To, because it does the body good. It was to feed soldiers, which is a very funny thought to me that people are fighting in trench warfare in World War I, which is supposed to be the worst war ever, but they needed a warm glass of milk.
3: I mean, how else are they going to get to sleep at night, Steven? <laughs>
2: <laughs> There's just shells exploding everywhere. And they're just like, as long as I've got my milk and cookies, I'm good to go.
3: Can you put a little honey in this? You have a little honey? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> all
2: right. Whatever. It's, it's, but it's wild. So, so we overproduced milk. And then when the war ended, we just had tons of, tons of udders spraying milk all over and no tongues oh, to lap right. it up. And so we just started marketing the hell out of milk. And then so milk consumption like skyrocketed in the US. We did the same with grains in World War II. We did the same with meat in World War II. And so you're being told by who you believe is telling you the truth that you you need to be consuming as much of this as possible. Like, do you remember like uh, pork, the other red meat, the got
3: milk commercials. No, it was, it, was like, pork, it was pork, the other white meat. Right, right, true. Yeah, true. they tried to make it like super, le- like, it, this is basically chicken. This is pretty much organic chicken. Like, that's basically <laughs> right. what pork is.
2: And, it, But it was just this thing where if you look at who was like supporting the got milk commercials, that was the, the California Dairy Association, right? Like, mm-hmm. the people that are paying for this stuff are the people that really want you drinking the milk. So you have this like combination of nutritionism changing rapidly. And you being told a bunch of stuff that you find out later is just not like valid. And so it's this really hard concept of like, I want to eat well, but I have no idea who is telling me the truth about all this. Right, and
3: if you it, look at that nutrition pyramid. It's literally all of the things that we overproduced, you know what I mean? It was like 100%. grains and then dairy. Because remember, it had that big like block of cheese, the eggs, the butter. Oh, better eat, is. Yeah, remember, you better eat like cheese wrapped in butter, bits and batter, and then fry it. I mean, and then you get all your doing, it,
2: doing it for your country. Yeah, <laughs> I so so the one of the parts that we want to kind of talk about during the show is that. We have the luxury of information, and it is still very, very difficult for us to understand how to make those decisions. But then when you look at people in lower socioeconomic situations where they live in food deserts, where they don't have access to the actual food, and they also have um, a shortage of of the same information, right? Like if, if you're a single mom working three jobs to support your kids, you don't have the same luxury of gaining access to that information. Mm -hmm. But then if you look at how the marketing spends are in, especially like black and Latino communities, the, I I had some numbers here. So it was like 80% of ad spends through 2017 to 2019 were for junk food, food ad spends were for junk food huge proportions, like 65, 70% of that was in Black and Latino communities, right? And so in that same time span, 4 it was a 4% uh, uh, decrease in overall ad spends for food, food and beverage, but a 50% increase in ad spends to the Black community, right? And, uh, and just for junk food, sorry. And so um, it is this wild thing that while we live in kind of a bubble that has access to all this information. And we still find it so hard to sparse through it. There are people within uh, other communities that not only do they have that difficulty, but hundreds of millions of dollars in ad spend is going to tell them to eat that hostess cupcake. And like I said, with the, with the banana cream pie, all it took was one person to tell me that that banana cream pie was, the, was what I needed for a diet for me to eat only banana cream pies.
3: But also being a black woman and a mom and poor, <laughs> you know, it's, it's also, you know, affordability, you know what I mean? Like not being able to afford organic everything yeah. all the time, you know what I mean? so you go to the store with, okay, I have a budget of 50 bucks. What am I going to get? I need to get the most bang for my buck. So I'm going to go get these processed foods and, you know what I mean, and and this mac and cheese in a box and all of these things, you know, not because I don't know and not because I don't have access, but because this is what I can afford. You know what I mean? So there's also that conversation that is really important, too. So later on in the show, we'll actually have some uh, very healthy tips, uh, affordable tips that you guys can implement in the immediate.
2: Yeah. So do you want to bring on our first guest?
3: Um, I've been dying to bring on our first guest because I've been stalking Gavit Nutrition so hard over the last couple of weeks. She is an amazing human, incredible. Um, we, have a, we have similar stories, so I'm super excited to talk to her about it. Um, ladies and gentlemen, please give a very warm nonprofits welcome to Mia Swinehart. Mia! Yeah. Yay, there she is. Hey, girl, Hey. <laughs> Oh, you're, you're muted, Mia. You got to take your mute. Yeah, there we go. Hi.
4: Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm so I'm excited. To you.
3: Thank you for being here.
4: You guys were having me cracking up.
3: <laughs> yeah. Back in the green
2: room.
4: Yeah.
2: Um. So, Mia, just kind of off the top, what is Gather Nutrition and and who are you?
4: Yeah, so... I'm Mia. Um, I am Gather Nutrition is my Instagram handle, my website, and all of that. It's where I recipe develop. I'm a food blogger, but I'm a dietitian first and foremost. Basically, I um, out of school a couple of years ago, I was counseling. Um, I was working at a women's health clinic and I really liked it. It was a really interesting job, but just wasn't sticking with me. I didn't feel like it was my calling. And I've always been super into cooking obviously, but also just making people more excited about eating healthy. And I'm all about like comfort food and finding ways to make the foods we love healthier. So that's kind of where I started my um, Instagram account, like right when I was graduating, my master's program just kind of took off from there. So now I'm happy to say it's my full-time job. I absolutely love it. So that's where I share all of my recipes and tips and tricks and all of that stuff. And
3: so Wait, I remember Okay. can I ask what brought you to this journey I, I know a little bit about your story but I find it so interesting I had alopecia areata and I lost all that's not why I'm wearing the hat I'm just wearing it just to match Steven but I lost all of my hair on the top and it was literally like bald smooth like a baby you know what I mean and I had um, steroid shots in my scalp that didn't help. I um, had like a very aggressive course of antibiotics, all of these different things that wouldn't, that didn't help. And then I ultimately started juicing. And that's what really healed my body and um, made my hair grow back. And I know you had um, a similar story. So please regale us with uh, your backstory, please.
4: Yeah, I love talking about this because I feel like it's really easy to assume people in my field are in like perfect health all of the time. But actually, what brought me to Nutrition was my autoimmune disease. I have Hashimoto's, which is basically just a name for hypothyroidism. So my thyroid's super slow, which in turn really affects my energy, my mood, my focus, my metabolism, all that stuff. You obviously need your thyroid for a lot. But um, I was a freshman in college when I was diagnosed, and at the time, I think, I don't even remember what my major was, I think it was, like, journalism, <laughs> it was just something random, um, and I started to learn a lot about how food impacted my Hashimoto's, and I was getting so, I had always been really into, like, healthy eating and just, like, curious about it, and then when I started to apply it to my own life, I was like, I really want to help people, do this too, because I feel at the time, I think it's more talked about now, but at the time I I didn't even realize that food was related to my autoimmune disease. I had to kind of do my own research. So I like bringing that to my page and kind of making people more aware of that, because it's really empowering to know that you are in control, at least of some aspect of your health with the food on your plate and the way it can impact your health not even if you don't have an autoimmune disease, just if you're not feeling your best self, the way food can kind of bring out the best in you is really, really interesting to me.
3: It's crazy. Interesting. I had these really dark circles developing under my eyes. And Mm -hmm. since I've been eating clean just these last two, three weeks, they've dissipated so much and my skin's looking better. I'm feeling better. I have more energy. So it really does, you know, and um. Uh, alopecia is also an autoimmune disease too. So mm-hmm. I totally relate to that.
4: Yeah. It just um, impacts so much of our, like what you see on the outside, but also on the inside. So it's, it's crazy. It's
3: cool. Stephen,
2: Can I ask? So when you talk to somebody that has zero understanding of, of healthy eating, the health benefits that come from it and stuff like that, what are some of the base level uh, pieces of advice that you offer when asking somebody to change their diet?
4: Yeah. So I feel like that's a good question. It's so important to understand where someone's coming from. And um, like, it's just, there's so many pieces to the puzzle. So helping someone understand the why, like why they should make changes is super motivating. So you really have to apply that to someone's personal life because we're all so different. So maybe it's someone who's struggling in school or at work and they can't really focus. So that's kind of their why they want to feel more mental clarity and just more energy for the work they have to do. So helping someone understand the why and their motivation behind it is a good place to start. And then my first like really simple tip that I think is actually makes such a huge difference is just to try feeling half of your play with veggies at like start with one meal at a time um, and kind of go from there. It's all about simple changes that are achievable. If you try to change, I think, especially like right now with the new year, um, people will talk about like changing everything from like exercise to your diet, to meditating and all that good stuff. It, it sounds amazing to do it all at once, but it's just, it's not really going to stick. So I think when you're working with someone or talking to someone who's just getting started or just getting curious about healthy eating, you really have to start with the baby steps. So one meal at a time, one, even if it's one part of breakfast, not even the whole meal is like really impactful. Or if you start with be- the beverages they're drinking um, cutting out soda, again, it's not really attainable to cut it cold Turkey if someone's drinking that every day. So starting with one day at a time is super helpful. But yeah, I think my favorite tip is filling half of your plate with veggies. If you can do that at just dinner, if you just start there, that really makes a big difference.
3: That's a really good point. And for any any parents out there that <clears throat> might be watching, I did that with my daughter when she started eating table food, and she would and I would feed her dinner or any meal, really. I would, <clears throat> excuse me, start with a plate of vegetables first. That would be the first thing she would eat. And then I would follow up with the protein and other, and other things. And so now she's 15. And she's all the way down for, you know, eating a salad for dinner or, you know what I mean? Like she's really into healthy eating. So parents out there, start them young, you know, Mm -hmm. and they're, I'm hungry. Okay, cool. Here, eat this plate of broccoli and then implement other things, you know, around their meal after that. Just a little helpful hint. They will keep it for life.
4: Yeah. (laughs) I know. I feel like the way we feed kids now has changed so much. I mean, I don't have kids, but just even the way I eight as a child is so different now. Luckily, I think we know just so much more. So yeah. it really starts young. For sure.
2: Um, oh, shoot. I had, a, I had a question. Oh, oh, so when um, one of the things that we were just talking about is the just onslaught of information that we receive about diet, about health and about healthy eating are there some very basic building blocks that, you know, we're talking about making changes to an unhealthy diet feed or fill the plate with half vegetables, but are there some very basic rules that people can kind of live by that will maintain a relatively healthy diet?
4: Yeah. I feel like um, there is so much information out there and especially in, like social media and everything like that. And just on commercials, we just overcomplicate everything. If you really just get back to the basics, it's so helpful. I think that um, telling someone to just start looking at the ingredient list on what they're eating, you know, don't even think about like the calories or your like, don't start counting macros, nothing like that. And that's not something I ever really talk about or recommend. It's really about what is in the food. Um, I think people become so much more aware of what's on their plate when they start reading The ingredient label and becoming more familiar with what's on the ingredient label so saying uh, like giving someone a number like start with 10 ingredients or less on the ingredient label you can lower it from there but a lot of times that's a big change for people depending on what they're eating and what they have access to so like looking for whole unprocessed foods as much as possible and kind of starting from there. And then you do really become aware of when you're ordering out or what you're buying from the grocery store. And again, it just makes a real, it's a little thing that makes a very big difference. So I really try to focus on what's on your plate and what's in your food rather than obsessing over how much, or of course, like portions at some point matter, but when you're just starting out, I think it's more helpful and more, Um, sustainable to think about what is actually in your food and where it's coming from and all that stuff
2: yeah i think it's a michael poland that Mm -hmm. said that like if you uh can't pronounce the ingredient on the back then it's probably not great for you like if you you can't say the word when it's like you know has like 17 letters or 17 numbers in the name of the ingredient then it's (laughs) probably not great for you
4: Right. And it's crazy how many foods are in the grocery store that have that meet that criteria that have no. so much in it that you're like, what is that? I don't even know what half the ingredients are in some of these foods. One of the things I've heard, um,
3: and Mia, I,
4: I want to ask you
3: if this is still accurate, uh, is that if you're shopping like at a regular sh- grocery store, not like a mom's that's all organic or maybe even a Whole Foods, but if you're at like a giant or a Safeway, um, you should shop from the out- outer rim of the grocery store is that still accurate?
4: Yeah, then- I love that tip. I should that's a good one. I should have brought that up. Um it's it's like just a starting point if you just shop the perimeter. Yeah, that definitely still rings true. Like you'll you'll hit the produce and eggs and whatever milk you want to buy or dairy-free milk and then um like proteins and then there is some stuff in the aisles that is perfectly healthy, but that's where a good place to start and then you can so I think the inner aisles is where people have like a lot to learn usually right. and what's actually in those foods and what's the better option mm-hmm. in those aisles. And I think more and more, luckily all grocery stores are starting to have the healthier options as more and more people yeah. get interested in it. So it's not just your whole foods or your mom's market, but it, I mean, there's definitely a long way to go and it should be accepted. Ex- those healthier options should be accessible to everyone but i do think slowly but surely there's more options in all stores
3: absolutely
2: and so mia where can people find you uh how can people follow you get involved in all that jazz
4: yeah so gathered nutrition is pretty much my name across the board for instagram tiktok my website my youtube you can find me there. And, and if anyone has any like, further questions or anything, you can, of course, reach out to me, you send me a DM on Instagram is usually the quickest way to get to me.
3: Before we let you go, Mia, I need to ask this because you may not know it, but you're my personal dietitian. Like I go to your page to figure out what I'm going to eat now. Um, <laughs> and here's one of the things I saw you post about it. I think it was today. You made um, smoothies, like a strawberry smoothie or some kind of smoothie cherry sweet. Like what's a sweet that I can make. I love ice cream. I -hmm. love like what's a sweet that I can make. That's natural, healthy. That's kind of ice cream S that I can make for me and my kiddos. This is so basic, but have you ever made banana ice cream? Like I have not. And I've asked several people for their banana ice cream recipes. You know, I want yours.
4: I think I I do have one on my site. The key is to slice your bananas before you freeze them. Uh-huh. And then you literally just throw sliced bananas into a food processor. You can add peanut butter or chocolate if you want to flavor it, but it seriously tastes like soft serve ice cream. It's like my favorite dessert. Wait,
2: you put it in the processor before you freeze
4: it? No, sorry. You freeze the slices like on a, a tray, like a baking Got it. Baking okay. paper, paper so that they don't, they don't stick. You stick them in the freezer for a few hours and then you put those slices in your food processor and then I'll add peanut butter usually. Um, and you just blend it for a couple, like a minute or two. And man, that
2: sounds phenomenal. I'm making so, that
4: tonight.
2: I um, I've been since I've been doing like cutting out the refined sugar. I've been trying to make desserts with dates.
4: Mm-hmm. And
2: do you have anything with dates? Oh,
4: that's that's another. That's my other favorite. I make these chocolate turtles with a date caramel. Shut um, your so good. face down. They taste like the real thing. Those are on my site. That's my favorite. But also, if you just want something really quick. If you just stuff a date with peanut butter and peanuts or chocolate chips, it literally t- to me it tastes like Snickers. It's so good.
2: Damn. I
4: love yeah. it. Thank you. That's to
3: get to the <laughs> poignant questions people want to know me. How hey. do I get sweets without eating sweets? That's what I need to know. You're phenomenal and amazing, and thank we love you here at nonprofit. So Yo, that thank so you so much, Mia. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you. Um. How much do you love her, Steven? She's great. And, and she's given us all the sweet tips. Um, I can't wait to get, I mean, I love the show and, you know, I love doing it, but I can't wait to get off so I can go slice my <laughs> bananas and put them in the freezer. I'm making that tonight. Like, that's going to be my snack while me and um, Boots watch something funny or crazy and scary on TV tonight.
2: Um, I'm, I've am i got tons of dates. So I do like, you know, Imperfect Foods, it's like, a, so, so. Imperfect Foods takes foods that would be wasted, and it they deliver it through like a CSA box kind of a thing. Yes, you told me about that. That's and, amazing. And so um, I just got tons of dates, and I don't know what to do with them. I sometimes it's I just see. The
3: fruit, not the ladies, okay?
2: <laughs> yeah, no, nope, no lady. Well, yeah, I do have. Yes, a lady. you do. She's, you have she's watching right now. Yes, you um, okay, so the what I we're going to talk to Matt James in a second, or we have Matt James uh, interview with Matt James in a second. But one of the things that I kind of wanted to go into um, we talked about access to information about food. Right. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the importance of eating healthy. Um, the other piece of this puzzle, when we're talking about lower and uh, different socioeconomic uh, situations is the food desert. Right. So yeah,
3: know what that is, everyone watching, you know what I mean? Everyone doesn't know.
2: Sure. It, 26.5 million Americans live in what's considered a food desert, right? And that is in a metropolitan area, not being within one mile of an area with fresh produce in a rural area being not within 10 miles of, of an area without uh, without access to fresh produce. Um, a lot of these issues have been exasperated a ton by COVID, right? Right now, 82 million Americans are living in what's considered... Food, in a food insecure environment. So um, I think that's up by about 37 or 38 million from the beginning of 2020. Um, and so, what food insecure means is that they either do not know where the next meal is coming from or have had to change their diet substantially uh, to accommodate a lower uh, amount of cash, right? And so I I used to do a lot of work with food deserts. My first company that I built was um, how do we take would-be-wasted food and reallocate it to a food truck business model to food deserts, right? Mm -hmm. It was a little bit too much for me to do at that time. But one of the things that we did on the front end was we were trying to build menus, right? And so I went into Anacostia, which uh, neighborhood in D.C., and was um, surveying people. To build the menus, and one of the things I found was that there were like multiple people that just straight up didn't know what broccoli
3: was, right? And but ben- like my brain, when you first told me that, exploded. Yeah, think about that, guys watching this. Think about that. There are other humans just like you in America, just like you, that don't know what broccoli is. You know, right. what I mean, that's bananas
2: and it is this coupling of what we were first talking about with the access to information but it, the second one is just the access to it right they just haven't seen it in their neighborhood so why would they know what it is and so the health disparity between the two right so washington dc is where i did a lot of this research and if you know dc anacostia is here right over the waters is georgetown georgetown is one of the most affluent areas in the country it's where the you know the kennedys lived and like lots of politicians lived georgetown's a very affluent school the differential in diabetes was about 47% between the two populations, right? And a lot of that comes from just not having the access to the food, to the information that is literally right across the water. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is this thing where people don't really appreciate that it exists, right? So, you know, even, even where I live, there's like, there's one grocery store but there's there's a bodega much closer, right? And and so these two things: one with the food desert and the access to food, but also the food insecurity that comes. Like Frankie, do you remember we were walking home from a show um, in yep. October? We were, we had a, we had an uh, outdoor show in October.
3: And I was starving. What's that? And I was starving, so we stopped at the bodega.
2: Right. Well, but what I what I meant to mention is that the food lines have grown around the block and we were walking home from a show. It was like 11 PM and there were people already starting to get in line. Like it was a black Friday, Walmart deal. Like people are camping out to do this. And so it is this thing of starting to understand that we are some of the privileged people that have access to this information and have access to the food itself. And I think that it is this very um, important thing to understand in the conversation about food and in the conversation about diet or healthy eating, as some call it, Um, that's very often these conversations come out of this like very like privileged place to, you know, like, it's like, bitch, why aren't you eating seaweed?
3: Right, like, yeah. And there's a lot of shame too. you know, people in disenfranchised areas and neighborhoods. There's a lot of shame. They're often, you know, shamed for the way they may feed their children or the the fact that they are overweight or have health issues. And when oftentimes those are things that by circumstance are out of their control, you know, and we're not mindful or cognizant of that. And that's why you know we, the nonprofits, are working to change the conversation, along with Lululemon,
2: along with Lululemon, along with Gather Nutrition, and and we might as well. Tours. What's that? And ABC Food Tours. And ABC Food Tours, which which leads pretty seamlessly into the interview uh, that we did with with Matt
3: James, the wonderful, the phenomenal. Literally, seriously, this guy is like, he's like a baby sweet angel that like. Floated down on like the wings of an angel, like he's just a sweet, loving human that wants to do good for people. And he, along with a partner, created ABC Food Tours, and we had a fantastic interview with him. Wouldn't you say, Stephen? I think we did. I, yeah. and, and I'll be, I'll be real. Um, I, I was, I was
2: skeptical. I was like, I was like, man, with the, with the, the show and.
3: All that stuff, maybe. I was too. I was like, mm, this guy. Eh, eh. And then when we meet, I'm like, oh my God, you're literally a good person. Like you are genuine and true and he's just awesome. So we're going to get our guy, um, our comedy hub, Jared, our, our man behind the magic to roll that beautiful bean footage. Also in the meantime, uh, shout out to comedy hub. Comedy hub's got a Twitch
2: channel. They do yes. all of our technical i'm gonna call it jargon because i literally don't know what he does to make all this work uh but shout out to comedy hub if y'all ever want to watch (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah here we go matt james abc food tours abc food tours (laughs) um matt i'm steven by the way very nice to meet you
3: what up stevie what up frankie okay very nice to meet you too nice to meet you
2: um but yeah we've been looking a lot into what you're doing and we uh very impressed with the work that you've been doing and so we're recording now so we'll just kind of take uh take the highlights and put it into the final version on Tuesday so I guess if we want to start right up top just who's Matt James how did you get started with ABC and what are y'all doing
1: yeah. So I, um, I'm, I'm a Raleigh native. I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. And I guess the, the origin of, of ABC Food Tours really starts uh, at Wake Forest. We had this incredible program called Eat with the Deeks. And uh, when I was playing football there, we would have students from low-income areas come onto campus. And we kind of give them a tour of, of what college life was like. We'd take them to the cafeteria, to the dorms, to our practice facilities. And we'd always end with a nice meal. And a nice meal for any college kid is free food. And so uh, we'd order pizza. We'd get Domino's. We'd get Papa John's. And this was the first, the kids that we worked with had never experienced dining out. And the way that that impacted their confidence, their social, what they were willing to share with us blew me away. And from that point on, it was, that was the highlight of my time in college. Like I looked forward to our eat with the Deeks events every, every week. And when I graduated and I didn't feel empowered to have those conversations anymore. Um, I was, we were looking for ways to work with students again because no one was excited about a commercial real estate broker or washed up football player coming to talk to to them (laughs) about anything. So, uh, we, we found out that kids would get excited about going to eat food. So we reached out to a bunch of our favorite restaurants in New York city. And, um, most of those happened to fall into the neighborhoods uh, of the, of the, of the, the restaurants that we would take the students to were restaurants in their own neighborhoods. So it's like a a really nice restaurant being right down the street from you. You've never been able to access. And, uh, we, we tried to bridge that gap and we did, so.
3: What's your number one resta- restaurant?
1: Bob White's, hands down. Well, uh, was, uh, no that,
3: have you been there, Steven, to Bob White's?
1: No, just, just note taken. I, I'm,
2: I'm usually a bodega eater myself, <laughs> okay. um, but I could, if you want to go on a bodega tour when you get back to New York City, <laughs> I will serve you a sandwich.
3: So it's amazing that you've taken your celebrity now and you're giving back and kind of folding it back in. Where does that spirit come from? You know what I mean? Like, where does a desire to help people come from? Your parents, your community? Like, where does that feeling come from?
1: Uh, it just comes from being a beneficiary of it, you know? Um, just not growing up with a lot and seeing how impactful it was for people to put me on game and take me on a vacation or take me out to eat or let me experience something that I wouldn't otherwise been able to experience I want to provide that and and help provide that for for the next generation because I saw what it's done to me and I don't think I'd be where I was if people weren't as generous with their time and resources uh as they were
3: I've always
2: felt that there's like a pretty strong correlation between somebody's openness to eat new foods and somebody's openness to call it meet new people you know what I mean That, that different like cultural uh openness and stuff like that. Do you find that there's a little bit of a cultural pushback when introducing people to maybe very foreign foods that they haven't had access to before?
1: So you know what we do with that, Stephen? Huh? What we'll do is, let's say that we went to, let's say we went to Bob White's, my favorite restaurant, and a student's never had mac and cheese before, right? Oh man. I know, so. (laughs) So what we'll do is, like, a majority of the students we work with are first-generation Americans, and a lot of them are immigrants. So uh, by way of Dominican Republic, by way of Puerto Rico, and um, they rave about their native food, mofongo, a a bunch of different dishes that I'm not familiar with. And what we've done is we'll have someone bring in a native dish, and I'll be like, look, I've never tried this, and I'm going to try it and and kind of break the ice to them. Like, listen, like this is something that y'all love and I'm trying it and it's really good. So like, like, trust me on this. And like that process has worked and interesting. So we, yeah. So we like, for instance, we took them to, uh, we took them to Tim Huan's, and and we had our students eating dumplings. You know, it's like, that's the last thing I thought that they would be sampling on a, a Tuesday afternoon and they loved them. You know, it's, it, these are kids from the, from section eight housing and, and rough parts in New York city who are we're sitting here eating dumplings, and uh, we're having chefs come out here showing us how to roll our own dumpling and just walking us through the history of their, their, their culture. It's, it's, it's incredible.
3: Um, Matt, look, I'm not eating carbs right now, and you said dumpling three <laughs> times. Um, unless you want me to come through, <laughs> the do not say dumplings again. <laughs> I've
2: been eating breakfast dumplings, dumplings and, all I'm before so this amazing. interview.
3: I know yeah. for me, like, there's days when I can really afford to kind of treat myself. Um, you know, it's not a thing I can do all the time. Uh, but for me, like, Mineta Tavern is one of my favorite. Oh, places. my gosh. Have you had their Black Label burger? That's my first question.
1: It's, it's Cheeseburger is my favorite food. So that's, I go there many a times. And you're, you're missing the best part is their French fries.
3: Oh no, I get the fries. I'm not an animal, are He's okay. talking about I <laughs> missing the burger. Okay, first off, I start with the uh bone marrow, okay? Then I get the burger and then I eat the fries. And sometimes I might dip my fries in some of that bone marrow. That's none of your business. You bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so the only my, way to do it.
3: It's the only way to do it. It's so amazing. And a lot of times we're down there, Stephen, because the the comedy sellers that right there like next right. door. Yeah. yeah. So, like, on those days, it really motivates me and reminds me to kind of persist and push forward and keep towards my goals so that I can go back to Mineta Tavern. Do you think that um, that is something that kind of helps the kids, too, being able to kind of see, okay, these are the things that I could have in life. These things are possible. Do you think that that, there's an element of that in what you guys do?
1: I think that's very much so an element because we give our own stories, you know, myself, Tyler, anyone who's involved has a similar story in terms of coming up with not a lot or being in the similar situation that these kids are in. You know, my, my dad's not from the States. Like I'm, I'm a first generation American. So I I have, I have different things that I can relate to these students at and that, that first phase of, of, of building that confidence through the experience and the dining is, is was major. And then we graduated to fitness and we're having equinox and we're having soul cycle these in these boutique gyms across the, the city teach our students what it means to live a healthy lifestyle and then what we're doing now is, is our connection portion of, of feed educate and connect and we're connecting our students with fortune 500 companies and we're working on fellowship programs to really provide opportunities to bring our students outside of their situation so uh it's coming it's full beautiful. circle now.
3: it's so beautiful i love that um oh go ahead stephen So most of the kids that you're working with, do they,
2: I know that you said that some of them are, you know, right down the street from some of your favorite restaurants, but is there outside of like job play outside of like job placement? What, what do you see as some like actionable stuff that y'all can do that maybe they have more access to this type of food? Or I guess my question's, and I've done a lot of research with like uh food deserts and stuff like that, and what do you see as a way to maybe um, alleviate some of these food deserts i don't know if that's a i know it's kind of a packed question
1: no that's a great question um and and that's a, another project that we're working on uh, which is abc farm where oh, uh, yeah. we're- we're looking to put um, hydroponic farms in urban areas and teach these not only students but their families about where healthy food comes from and help hopefully them be able to grow and sustain their own community garden. And when you grow hydroponically, you just need water and electricity, sure, and there's a lot of sunlight. So, eventually, again, hoping to show uh, and build a curriculum around. This is what it means to eat healthy. Eating healthy is cool and it's delicious. And here's recipes and just like kind of building out from the ground level because let's, let's be real. You're the bodega king. When is, when's the last time you went to a bodega and got a salad? I know. <laughs> you know? Like They've got you know, it, but it's just sitting there kind of rotten exactly. in a plastic <laughs> container. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we're trying to reimagine to them what eating healthy looks like, providing uh, accessible, affordable uh, organic food for him, and so to, i guess to get back to your question that's really one of the main focuses of what we're trying to do is just make it accessible
3: i love that 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 kind of um if i could piggyback on that a little bit not as cool as steven's was he loves saying food desert. but don't um, don't try to be
1: as cool
0: as
3: me you're not going to set the bar <laughs> so high <laughs> but i know like for me you know we're on a, a budget my i have a husband and our we have a 15 year old daughter. And one of our go-tos, we try to eat healthy. And and even when I eat like crap, I still try to make sure she eats healthy. Um, And one of our go-tos is just getting a pre-cooked rotisserie chicken and a bag of salad. And that's like, do you guys teach that as well? Like easy, affordable ways that kids can kind of eat healthy, even if it's, you know, on the go or whatever?
1: Yeah, I think one of the coolest things we did um, earlier on was we did a bodega tour. And
3: Shut up, Steven.
1: We, re- we, we reimagined what it was like to go to a place that they're already frequenting and pick healthy options. It was extremely difficult. It was extremely difficult, and that was even more affirming to us that we're like, listen, we need to do our part in trying to implement what we can in their community in terms of healthy options, and that was kind of the brainchild of the um, of the ABC Farm, but. Um, we did have a tour to bodega where we, we walked through like, all right, maybe not the potato chips, maybe this, maybe not the soda, maybe this. And like, they got the concept, but like, again, typically the healthy options are more expensive For sure. and the healthy options aren't the freshest thing. And when you're getting them at a bodega, like, like a, a packed salad at, at at a bodega opposed to a packed salad at a whole foods, like. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't even look appealing most times right. to, the, to the kids because they're not eating that anyway. So it, it was very difficult, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough because when, when when it's inexpensive and it's the closest, most uh, accessible option, like why would someone go the extra mile and spend more money for something that they don't really know the health um, ramifications of and, and the long-term effects of? Yeah,
3: yeah, and, yeah, I know for sure, like it's easier if you're running into 7-Eleven or wherever and you're like, I could get five Slim Jims or I <laughs> could get one apple.
0: <laughs>
3: but the health benefits definitely are there. You know, if you've ever seen that, that documentary, Fat, Sick and Nearly Dead, and the guy's like just kind of eating whatever and he's literally killing himself eating McDonald's. He's like literally dying on the inside. And then he starts juicing and eating clean and his health bounces back pretty much hundred percent and beyond, you know? So this is what you're doing is way more impactful than I initially thought. I'm gonna be honest. I'm like, okay, he's taking kids to restaurants. Oh, whatevs. But like what you're doing, <laughs> but, what, see,
2: <laughs>
3: but seriously what you're doing is so much wider and deeper than that. Like you're really educating these kids and now you're going that extra step and like, hey, we can build these hydroponic gardens in your neighborhoods. And you'll have access to this food. That is beautiful and amazing, and I almost cried. So and hey.
2: emotion. That's and cool. Matt, can can I ask? So as somebody, um, you can't see, but neck down, I'm just as ripped as you. And so, um, <laughs> and so, so uh, after. So I always think that that with the what you're doing is incredible because I think that the first step is very often education, right? Like I, I was trying to start this company that didn't work, but what we were doing initially was um, surveying in Anacostia, which is an area of DC, right? And uh, asking people like what foods they would eat when we were trying to build this menu. And like, we were running into multiple people that just didn't know what broccoli was, you know? And so I've, I've always said that like education is the first step in this process, but even for somebody that is, educated on a lot of this stuff, the eating healthy piece is still difficult. I got the bodega right there, right? And, and luckily, you and me look exactly the same uh, neck down. But, but, the bodega, but the bodega sandwiches are not a good tool to get there. For your eating healthy, how much of it is just straight willpower? And how much of it is... like are you putting in very strict systems in place to make sure because you know the cheeseburger is your favorite meal what what kind of systems do you put in place to make sure that you are continuing to eat healthy
1: uh that's a great question and um there's multiple parts to it because the the ultimately the biggest thing is discipline you know like Frankie, my favorite food is cheeseburger and french fry. Like, I crave that and want that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like, I could have a cheeseburger for breakfast. Um,
3: well, if you put an over-medium egg on it, it's,
1: it's breakfast. Crazy crazy my, breakfast. That's breakfast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> We're on the same page. Like, <laughs> But it's, it's honestly just discipline, Steve, and it's like restricting myself as much as I would, I could and would eat that every single day, just having it once a week. And then, if I'm going to eat something unhealthy, I'm going to go out and get it. Like, I'm not going to order in. Like, if I'm going to have something that's bad for me, I'm going to go get it. And if I'm going to have something that's really bad for me, like like pizza and a cheeseburger, then I'm probably going to hit a little workout before so that my body processes it differently. Sure. And you just have to be intentional about it. Like, the, the exercising is great, but you could run a marathon every day, and if you're eating like crap, then it's not going to do much. You're just going to be really tired and unhealthy. Um so it took being it took that 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 collegiate athlete mentality and the the training, the training table, the food, the everything that went into preparing myself for a game, like all that stuff is super important because I'm sure that you all see the better you eat, the more energy you have and the better you sleep. And like once you've experienced that, I'm like, this meal, this lifestyle isn't worth my health. And Um, that's kind of the approach I take to it. So like the older I've gotten, it's less about how, how hard I'm working out. It's more about, okay, like I'm going to eat everything I'm going to eat is, was came out of the ground today or everything I eat is going to be organic and it's not going to be processed. And, and it it really just, it, it just takes being intentional about it, you know? Um, so being intentional and being disciplined with your diet and you, and you end up saving a lot of money too. Like if you went to, if you went to the grocery store, You bought your groceries for the week, you bought a carton of eggs, you bought some chicken breast, you bought rice, you bought sweet potatoes, like you could eat the whole week for $30, like lunch and dinner, which is crazy. Like that's, that's a meal in New York, you know, it's like, it, 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 it's again, it takes being intentional and and it takes being disciplined. But I mean, when, when you see the way it affects your bank account, then it's, it's kind of a no brainer.
3: But also too, I'm I'm just now embarking on a a, a health journey. Um, I mean, and make no mistake, I look like all of the women that are on the show, The Bachelor. Like I look <laughs> from the neck down, it's same, same thing. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I've noticed is that when I have a craving to eat trash, I think about the work I've put in, and I'm like, Nah, I'm not gonna blow it. Like it's not even worth, it's not worth it. It's a waste. And then I'll go in my kitchen and grab a handful of spring mix and some, you know, sunflower greens and sit and chow on it and it tastes bomb. Thank you so much, Matt. You are literally the sweetest human. I know you don't have, um, I think we've t- taken up all of our 30 minutes. So, seriously, appreciate you. You are 10 times more wonderful than I thought.
0: I um,
2: okay, <laughs> We got to do this again. And Matt, uh, one last, where can people give to, where can people give, where can people find you and uh, participate in,
1: it's, it's only in New York right now, right? It's so, so uh, two things. We we just redid the website. We've, we've, we we rebranded. Our our missions refocused. Our uh, your your gifts are charitably uh, they're they're tax deductible now. So everything is, is, is falling into place. And you can give Fantastic. and donate on abcfoodtours.org dot um, org. And we are focused in New York right now with plans to expand. And um, that's kind of what our um, that's kind of what our um, our relaunch was. Just a more focused. Um, a more focused approach to what we're doing. And again, being more intentional in the past, we had gone all over the world. We've done tours in London. We've gone to Nashville, Florida, North Carolina. Um, And and that's all great. And like you said, Frankie, it's like patting yourself on the back. Like we're taking kids to go eat, but like, like, what are we really doing? And that's kind of this new approach is, yeah, we're going to hyper-focus on these areas that we know that we live in in New York. And we're going to service the heck out of them. And we're going to, we're going to move from there.
3: I love it. That's dope. You're fantastic. <laughs> All
2: right, Matt. You we really appreciate you doing this. Uh, appreciate the time. And um, we will be spreading the word um yeah and yes we'll
3: partner with you on a showcase one day <laughs> fine that's yeah. us oh, <laughs> if, if you,
2: you need warm-up it. comics uh <laughs> <sure>. <laughs> we'll, we'll go ahead and obviously we'll anyway. go
3: to steven because he is super ripped <laughs> <Yeah. Exactly laughs> right. no difference
2: we can we can change this in post right, <laughs>
3: <laughs> right. thank you so um, much you've been fantastic this thank is you, great. Man. thank you i appreciate y'all yeah
1: thank you all, i appreciate you Bye, Frankie. Bye,
3: Steven. Bye. Thank you, Oh, my God. Does Matt James just, like, love the nonprofits? I feel like he does. And I don't we know. heard him right back. He's How fantastic is he? He's
2: the dreamiest. I know.
3: And you guys are, like, twins. It's so weird. I still can't, like, get over <laughs> hey. it. It keeps freaking me out. Every time I go to, I'm like, Matt. oh, no, it's Steven. It's weird.
2: I was really trying to drive that point home, and it didn't seem to be taking. <laughs>
3: Hey, hey. You know what, Steven? I am, I'm, your, I'm your ride or die, so I will go into this delusion with you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Thank <I'll> just... <laughs> you. Thank you. But we've um, we come great. to the end. I the think show. we have got
2: to the end. So what did we learn?
3: I have learned that I need to stay the course. I need to, um, now that Mia's in my life and we're best friends, I'm going to continue to stalk her. I'm going to implement her um, banana ice cream tonight, which I am. I'm. I'm. I'm, way, I'm. like a kid at Christmas. Like right now, it's like Christmas Eve. When I get off this call, it's like Christmas Day. because I'm going to make that ice cream. So that's <laughs> I'm at. And I've learned, and um, we've all learned that there that food deserts exist, right? Sure. Um. So you know, we we want, we, we want the people to look in their local areas. Find the the, um, organizations that are helping work with that to alleviate that and give your money. ABC Food Tours in New York is one of the best organizations around. They work in a full facet of areas for underserved children, um, including education, food deserts, all of those kind of things. So give your money to them. All the proceeds from this show, as a matter of fact, are going to ABC Food Tours.
2: For sure. Yeah. Um, What did you turn, Stephen? Well, a lot of us are very fortunate to have access to information, have access to food, to be able to make the health decisions that we would like to make, no matter how hard that those decisions might be to actually implement. Um, So yeah, so I hope people were able to learn a little bit, uh, able to be entertained a little bit. Um, Shout out to Lululemon for having us. shout out. out. Gather Nutrition for for joining and Mia, um, and also Matt James, ABC Foods. Uh, this is the nonprofit's
3: podcast. Right no, not, not yet. Don't wrap just yet. We promise a couple of tips that you can implement in your family right now. Inexpensive ways to to eat healthy. I, I talked about it with Matt um, on in that interview. And one of the easiest go tos is just grabbing a, a rotisserie chicken and a bag of salad and making that dinner. It's so easy and super inexpensive. Another couple of things. Um, we've replaced our potatoes with sweet potatoes, so we don't eat uh, white potatoes anymore. And You may think that you have to add sugar and butter and all of those things to make them tasty. You don't. Another um, hint are um, fresh herbs. We are big fans of rosemary and sage and thyme. And you just chop those up, chop up your potatoes, sprinkle them over top, roast them for 20, 30, 45 minutes, depending on how big the size is. Pop them in your mouth, add a little sea salt, and they are savory and delicious and 10 times healthier than white potatoes. Um, Bagged vegetables- You can get them like two for $5 pop them in the microwave and there's your veggie Um, green vegetables, you know, stick to those. Those are the best. And um, those are just a a couple of the healthy tips that I have that I utilize that are super inexpensive, really easy. And they make your life so much better. And don't forget to follow gather nutrition and find out how, like, how am I going to make some sweets? I need something sweet. Boom. That's where you go. She's going to tell you everything you need to know.
2: And also um, we've got a podcast on Spotify called The Nonprofits, N-O-N, space P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S. That's is right. that clever? Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> and my name's Stephen Campbell.
3: I'm Frankie French, and this is The Nonprofits. Thank you, Lululemon. You guys have been fantastic. And it's- also, shout out to
2: Comedy Hub, as always. Oh,
3: Comedy Hub. Oh, I mean, always. That's our guy.
2: Thank All right. You so much. Love you guys.
1: Thank you so much for joining.
0: Yeah.